Hello and welcome to another episode of Candor Beach. We are on episode 22 and today we'll be talking about whether it is possible to innovate under a socialistic structure. So Silesh, capitalism, socialism, that's always been a hot topic. Communism's made a massive impact on the world. Where do you stand on this? Like what are the, like can you define these th three things for us? So if you define it, first, we're going to start off with communism, right? In communism, the entire system, um, uh, the state owns everything. You, The land, the means of production, um, the entire, um, you know, pe the people structure, everything is owned by the state. In a capitalism, the entire, uh, there is there's something called free market economy. The market actually you know, uh, works dep depending on how there is demand and supply. So that is capitalism, purely market. No, that's the second one. And the third one is socialism is like little uh, diluted version of communism, more like, you know, it's not it's not exposing the harsh realities. But if you look at it, India is also considered as a socialist republic. If I could add so, to what you said, um, I don't believe that the center owns everything in communism because like if you look at Marxist theory, he propounds that uh, at one point in time, the center, like the need for a centralized state will also wither away, like power to the people. So you're right. I agree with the definitions of socialism and communism to a point where socialism is the is the like the little brother, the smaller sibling. Yeah, but uh, uh, communism being the more radical form we are looking at ownership from the state's perspective but in communism like i think the center the need for a central for centralization sort of withers away but yeah please yes, go ahead uh, but the in in communism uh the means of production uh everything stays with the center like the the government owns it you cannot own land or neither you know and everything you can go and experience it so nobody owns anything so that is communism so if you look at the pre uh again 19... i would differ it's common ownership communism sure. talks about common ownership like everybody owns everything so nobody owns anything eventually but exactly so sure so if you look at um india mm -hmm. so i would also bring up to this point right so we have this social socialist republic what that means is um, if if you look at the structure of it, constitutionally, the state can take your property anytime if it wants to. That is basically the socialist republic part of Indian constitution. So, with, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, you know, yeah, you own it. But, you know, if you if they really want to take it, they can they can usurp it anytime. So that Look, that's is, an extreme that's ex an extreme example. I would say that ownership is more regulated. It's heavily regulated. You can, you can take that position. You could also argue, you could also argue that, uh, like as an example, when it comes to land leases, right? Like when you're purchasing land, it's mm -hmm. like a long lease from the government. It says yeah. you own this for 99 years or something of that sort, right? It's not, it's not under, it's not yours. Mm. So since we gave a broad definition of all these three, right? So I'll ask you a question. Does Marxist communism really work? 
I would say if we could throw back to maybe the era of Plato and like the theories that he propounds in the Republic. Uh, so what he gets at is, in the words of Socrates, his uh, his teacher, uh, he he talks about how the ideal society is governed by a set of rules, a set of rules where there are classes. So classism is something that uh, was seen, is seen in India, has been seen in India for quite some time, no longer now, I suppose, but for the longest time, it, it has been quite prolific. In the Greek system as well, they talked about how the Greek Romans, the Mediterranean sort of a setup. Um, so what Socrates was talking about was that you can have the warrior class, you can have uh, people who are more into commerce, people who are into agriculture and production. But there are certain rules that must govern each uh, each group and that there can be no inheritance. So the evils of inheritance, like passing down wealth, the evils of wealth accumulation, those are rules that he takes care of. Like as an example, by uh, the warrior class is supposed to be fed by everybody else. Like uh, since they're going out defending you, you need to make sure that they're nourished. And they will live in palaces, but these palaces will not have uh, doors. So you have pe the people have open access to this area. And mm. uh, the concept of inheritance, right? Like your son or daughter does not inherit your class. It mm. is down to merit. So there yeah. are certain aspects that that communism, that socialism have tried to bring in, that have tried to absorb that have their merits and have been spoken of in ancient times as well i'll say that like they they have its merit they have their merits sure if you uh yeah so the common ownership is good so it brings to the point where you're going to lack so that everything boils down to will you uh stifle innovation under communism or its little brother socialism so how much of innovation happened during the capitalistic era compared to how much of innovation happened during the uh, communism era? Yes, we have uh, good examples. During the USSR, they actually innovated. You know, they, they sent, uh, you know, their expeditions to the moon uh, before the, you know, the Americans did. And then you have, uh, you know, they, they innovated to make the, uh, the nuclear bomb. So, see, yeah, it does exist during the communistic era. But where does it corrupt everything? Why did communism fail um, is, is the main point. Like, 90, 90, I think, 91, when USSR collapsed, then if you look at the, um, how India also reformed itself. So, if you till 91, if you look, India followed that kind of a pattern of socialism, you know, trying to do all this so uh, stuff. It feels like you aren't debating communism versus capitalism. It's a foregone conclusion in your head. Uh, not really. No, no, no. The, don't get me wrong. I do. I, I, I do give props to like if you look at socialism, it has a uh, free education for everybody. So, you know, uh, free health care for everybody. So it's it's it has its own merits. But if you weigh both each other, will which one would you choose? I would say that what states have done eventually is a bastardized version of what you would have of the merits of 
these streams at this point in time capitalism works capitalism mm-hmm. fundamentally works because if you consider game theory to be true and <clears throat> most economists do uh, utilize game theory most consultants think like that's my background we use game theory to determine who makes what sort of decision with socialism with com- let's just say socialism right because communism is sort of a subset yeah so sure. with socialism it is important that people work towards a common good the commonality is the 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 we bit is the center mm. and focus whereas in capitalism yeah. it is more i centric me centric yeah now in terms of game theory how are you maximizing utility that's that's the decision that you need to make that's the fundamental that game theory is based off of if you mm. if you remember the prisoner's dilemma the this yeah. one uh problem statement where and, and just for people who aren't aware of the prisoner's dilemma a quick recap or quick uh build up onto that in the prisoner's dilemma there are two people who are caught and they're given two choices each you can rat on the other person and say that uh, the other person's committed this crime and they get a 10 year sentence i'm making up the sentences like it doesn't matter how yeah. long they get a 10 year sentence you go scot free the other person mm. has the same option or you mm. could keep quiet mm. in which case you uh, uh, you can keep quiet like you can rat on the other person or you can keep quiet and now the other person has the same uh, now both the prisoners have the same options now you have a mm. matrix like a 2 by 2 matrix where there are the different options that are weighed if both of them mm. keep quiet they both get 2 years in prison each mm. if they both rat okay. each other out they mm. get 10 years each if oh, wow. one of okay. them rats each other uh, the other one out yeah. it's 0 10 okay. 10 0 okay like you go scot free the other person gets put into prison for 10 years and vice versa okay so that's the system mm. now ideally if both of you keep quiet both of you get 2 years that's a more okay. socialistic approach like if you're working towards a common good you pick the both of us keep quiet and we we get out with minimum sentence lesser of the ego yeah but you're trying okay. to maximize your own utility your utility mm. is maximum when you rat the other person out yeah because you get a zero and the other person gets a 10 sure yeah so game theory would drive you to say that all right rat the other person out and if both of them rat each other out they get a an increase sentence like a 5 5 10 10 whatever it is So I would say that socialism requires everybody to play by the same rules and conform. Socialism it isn't as individualistic as it is to working towards the community. And considering our origins, considering the origins of mankind as being social animals as being uh strongest in a group, I think mm-hmm. socialism was a principle that would have worked very well. in today's environment which is me centric i would not advocate advocate for socialism because the moment there are people who break out of those they stop playing by those rules and focus on maximizing gains for themselves yeah the system breaks down so i will give you a counter argument so you you said you i have already made up my mind and how i'm you know biased against Do you know communism why I said that right um because you sure. made statements like do you know why communism has failed even india has reformed itself from socialism 
that was why i was like all right for yeah, I mean, if you look at 91 mm-hmm. the india opened up its markets right so it meant it went uh, uh you know free market trading you know uh, foreigners can invest in india that opened the floodgates india actually became rich post that i mean it almost defaulted right india so what did in india 91. do specifically there like why so after it opened its floodgates it was uh, near default how did it avoid mm-hmm. default so what did what they did is they actually uh, you know pledged their gold a lot of indian gold and exactly. they brought in yeah so you know which was which was needed you know the entire system was breaking down the entire now if you look at let's look at today where everybody's holding mm-hmm. gold all major banks around the world are holding gold india does not have not that gold sorry not just the banks people have gold yeah, india so has are... personal gold if you if you take india as you know personal gold as a consideration it has about 23000 tons of gold all around the country so if you're looking at the bank coffers it's it's not at the first it's not in the ranking level but you know it still has significant amount of gold uh all around the country yeah i would also like to add that it, we now trade in sovereign gold bonds to prevent mm-hmm. us from actually possessing all of that uh, possessing an equivalent amount of gold so sure so i i would say that there was that like in 91 when we went about pledging our gold that was a little bit of a detriment to our country but at the same time it was what we needed we were on yeah. the brink of default yeah no choice yeah yeah no choice so so when, uh, not, so to go a little tangential on it so if you look at um capitalism right so what really uh like if you look at the healthcare industry and how the capitalism actually promotes the healthcare industry do you think actually the 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 capitalism actually helps the making medicines or actually make uh you know it doesn't it actually stifles the nutritional values right so if you look at the modern healthcare industry you have all these um you know the the pharmaceutical companies trying to make drugs but not to educate people over how nutrition can help so if you look at all the modern day allopathic doctors every you, you end up going to a doctor they're going to end up giving you a prescription but they're not going to advise you so well on nutrition Sure. That is another major issue with capitalism. Why is that? Like why aren't they advising you on nutrition as well? Isn't it just because, because it's, it's not their area? It's profit oriented. So if you look at capitalism, what are you going to make profit on? So if you actually you you're going to make profit by selling medications. The pharmaceutical industry makes medications and they actually sell this to make a lot of money. So that is a problem so you're not actually helping people to educate them on nutrition rather you're actually forcing them to take medication to solve a symptomatic problem i get where you're coming from and i would say that once again like considering the hippocrates oath that uh, uh doctors are required to take and mm-hmm. like the the fact that they're supposed to they're focused on making sure people are healthy right like i'm going to treat people i'm going to make sure that they are healthy now balance that with what the medical boards of countries are trying to make them do wherein like i i have to treat everybody but at the same time that there are there are rules that govern how i'm going to treat people because there is also this whole malpractice suits suits that can be filed against me 
So I'm going to have okay. to safeguard against that. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of documentation that I'm going to have to spend my time on, as opposed to spending time uh, making people healthy. There are instances where uh, uh, I have to put my own life at, at risk to make sure that someone else is treated, and that's sort of going against the whole survival of the self. Right, like the self-preservation. I was going to say survival of the fittest, which I, uh, self-preservation, it breaks that. There are things that medical boards are, and I'm talking about particularly around the COVID era, like during mm. the lockdowns where these people, where doctors or healthcare professionals were forced back in just to make sure that uh, people were getting treated. So there's the self-preservation that's thrown out. They're doing inhumane hours. They're being forced to follow a set of rules just to protect themselves from liability. There are a lot of restrictions on them. And I think that prevents them from doing the sort of job that they need to. It's not a capitalism versus socialism argument there. It's more of a, like me personally, I think it's more of a, because there is capitalism, people are so concerned about wealth creation and wealth destruction that they are concerning themselves with not how can we as a society progress, but more along the lines of how can I save myself from a lawsuit? Yeah. I mean, granted, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to bash capitalism. It did bring in a lot of innovation. Um, if you look at the, the drug market itself, there are so many drugs in the pipeline which are which will never come to light if it was not profit oriented. So like right now we have, um, you know, for example, the Truvada for PrEP, it's, it's kind of a HIV medication. So you can take it and HIV uh, positive person can take that medication and he won't be able, even if he has unprotected sex with an HIV negative person, it won't be affecting them and there they won't be any transmission. So, so that's a phenomenal yeah, innovation but, right there. Yeah, and it's occurred under the banner of capitalism and therefore it's being attributed to capitalism, in my opinion. If it was a, a key issue, uh, communistic governments, I wouldn't say communistic governance. Like I'm not a communist. I'm not in favor of that. Let's say more socialistic oriented governments would also uh, have maybe pushed to develop something like that. The problem with communism, like in my opinion, I'm just going to get it out there before I seem overly commie, uh, is that at some point in time, it devolves into things that are being done for the community and more of an oligarchy or like a dictatorship where I am telling you what to do. I, I, the power holder, am responsible for the distribution of everything. So there is centralized control. It is not ownership for um, everybody. It is dictatorship of sorts. At least that's what most communistic rules seem to be devolving into. I mean, when you're talking about that, right? So in communism, what will be the pressing force for somebody to actually make like something a medication like Truvada for PrEP for HIV positive, what will be, there's no profit um, gain. So why would somebody really want to make something out of it? Well, I would say one, your argument can't be profit versus not, because if communism is not for profit or socialism is not for profit, then obviously if there is no profit, so that's not a fair argument. I would get at 
it's more need oriented or it's more driven by what wants from a, like why did the cosmonauts beat out the americans because they wanted to go into space and explore or be be the first there was uh, there was a space race surely the minds that came up with the hydrogen bomb the minds that came up with cosmo uh, cos cosmonauts the minds that I'm going overly USSR focused, but whatever. Like they're very bright people. They can come up with sort of such a drug. Like if there is a need, like if their population was primarily plagued by this, and they wanted to devote themselves to it, they would. Here, with respect to capitalism, again as a consultant, this is something that I am. Uh, I I need to be looking at on a day to day basis. How would I make sure my business is profitable? If I'm launching yeah. a new product, or if I'm looking at creating a new set of products, I do a white space analysis. I look at what the potential gaps in the markets are, where I can step in, and corner the market. Because when I corner the market, I get a benefit out of it, i.e., profits. So there's a very clear route in terms of capitalism to your drug. So that is undeniable profit-oriented. That is not to say that a socialistic setup would not have come up with it should the need have arisen. No, I'm not saying it won't come up with it. It's just, it's it's kind of, um, it, it's a mind. Um, you know, it's I have to you know uh, brainstorm to see what will make somebody really achieve that under a socialistic framework. It's just you know it's. It's something for our audience to think about too. So, next, I have I, I'll have another question for you actually. So, if capitalism is so good, it's actually good. It do you think it's actually creating this? Um, you know, the climate change. You know, because capitalism basically stands on consumption of goods. So back in the day, if you look. We had that Nokia phone, right? So you buy that phone, the Nokia brick, you can indestructible phone. So you buy the phone, you can have it for a very long time, and you can it's a still working product. You can have it even till today, and you know, and it'll still work. Um, but if you look at the modern day, you know, most of these phones they don't last more than one or two years, and you know, and even the Apple, they they ended up doing you know, now they stopped doing it, but previously they were actually throttling the speed so that the to to make the people they would say it for the, the battery. Question? But my question is: Is it driving climate change? Is it the consumption because of capital change uh, capitalism is driving uh, uh, climate change? Is it? Do you believe it or no? I would start by. I won't pose a counter question, but I'm going to pose a rhetoric one. What mm -hmm. is the alternative? Do we not consume? Like for no, our survival, no, like... we need to. We, for our survival, we need to consume. There has to be that. Now, sure, it's 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 a valid point. So what what would be? So you said what would be the alternative, right? The alternative. Back in the day, refrigerators like they lasted forever. Not now. Nowadays, you know, electronics don't last for that long. So did come, uh, you know, like capitalism actually bring us to a point where the quality of the products go down? That for durability is... purposes. Okay, so that's not, that's touching upon climate change, but it's a slightly different question, I guess. Uh, hmm. With respect to durability, 
I would say that there are products that are valued for their durability. Like mm-hmm. as an example, if you are thinking about hardware, mm-hmm. Amazon reviews rate them on durability. And if they mm-hmm. are not like, uh, imagine a hammer or a screwdriver or whatever, that's not durable. Yeah. That's a problem. That's something that you'd red flag and move on to someone who produces more durable goods. In terms mm-hmm. of a car, back in the, there was a certain point in time, back like in the 60s and the 70s, where you saw a dominance of uh, pr- product-focused companies, like um, mm-hmm. uh, automobile manufacturers, as an example. They, yeah. they, they were in the top 10 of the Forbes list. Now, what they did was they built in obsolescence. They stifled innovation f- in favor of the fact that if I build in obsolescence and then introduce it uh, or introduce this innovative feature over the next couple of years, it drives you to believe that uh, you need to upgrade. And that mindset does impact the environment. That mindset does spur on decisions that have a, a negative impact on society. But that's just it. Capitalism, like I said before, is me-centric, not we-centric. The detriment there is that when I'm focused on, like everybody today, if we talk about the economic, like briefly, if we talk about the economic conditions of today, we're talking about potential recessions. We're talking about potential, uh, like we're on the brink of that soft landing thing, right? Soft landing, recession, what have you. Now, why did we come to that? The question is like, how can everybody grow? How can everybody keep growing? Because there was a there was an instance when uh, borrowing occurred with the promise of a certain degree of payment. Like you are borrowing, saying that I will pay back at four percent, five percent, ten percent, whatever mm-hmm. the yield was is. Yeah. And you're essentially what that statement essentially is is that. It says that I'm borrowing against the future. Now, I may or may not be able to achieve that value in the future. There are certain systems that are participating in this economy today that will not participate tomorrow for whatever reason. In that case, I am borrowing against the future. Everybody's consistently borrowing against the future. Everybody's consistently of the belief that they're going to get a certain payout and that everybody's together is going to contribute. Right, like I have promised uh, to pay you five percent. Uh, you have promised the bank to pay five percent. Uh, the bank has promised the RBI that they're going to, or whatever the governing or body is, to pay a certain rate. That this is a long chain. Now, if one bit defaults, like say I default, then what happens? You no longer get your payout. If you no longer get your payout, the bank doesn't get their payout. The bank doesn't get their payout. Somebody else doesn't get their payout. They differentiate rates as well. You've given me 5%. I'm paying you at 5%. So you are paying the bank at 4%, right? You have to make some money. Mm-hmm. So the bank is paying the RBI at 3%. So there is, uh, like what I'm getting at is it does get complicated to a point of calculating like every single touch point. But at some point in time, there are areas where things just start falling apart. I'm borrowing against the future without knowing whether I'll be a going concern into the future. Like there yeah. is that uncertainty. Because of which things start to collapse. The, the pursuit of growth, essentially, the pursuit of growth from the car manufacturer's perspective from 40, 50 years ago, where they built in obsolescence, mm-hmm. is not sustainable. 
And therefore, I would argue that driving consumption for the sake of consumption is bad for the environment. When yeah. Apple comes out and says they're going to be carbon neutral, what does that mean? <laughs> like, honestly, like, let's take a step back and decide what does that mean? Does that mean that you, you have no impact on the uh, climate? Or by a certain definition, there is the impact that you have on the climate or on, on the environment is being negated by other impacts that you have decided or somebody else has decided for us is negating that. Like, as an example, I have consumed 100 watts of energy, but I have planted 10 trees, which through some calculation is, 100, is equivalent to 100 watts of energy at some point in time. Is that factual? It's like uh, the justification given by Bill Gates that he uses his uh, private jet to go around the world because he has carbon capture. Yeah. He yeah. invested in millions of dollars in carbon capture. It's it is kind of that argument. It, it yeah. is exactly that. So I would say that 100% capitalism impacts the environment. We are we are fooling ourselves by to an extent by saying that oh if we follow these esg norms or if we do this and that that there will be no impact on the climate but at the same time just so we are clear i'm not talking about when we're talking about climate change we're not necessarily also talking about uh how we're uh influencing the global temperatures that's a different conversation mm. just just so that everybody's clear on that another topic another uh another pod topic probably so so tell me another thing so this is my opinion right so capitalism is good but then it also causes monopolies it actually you know proliferates monopolies in those industries so if you look at um for example if you look at india right so there is a monopoly uh, with uh, reliance so reliance is acquiring everything almost every business Tata. into it Tata. Uh, so, I mean, monopoly, duopoly. Um, and these big companies getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So what my question is, just because of these monopolies and their, you know, cartel-like behavior, you know, how they, you know, they have predatory in, invest, uh, lending, you know, they lend into, like, for example, you looked at Dunzo issue, right? So Dun, uh, Reliance is trying to acquire Dunzo at a very cheap price but they also have about 20 or 30% stake in that company and they're not giving more. And when the company is actually going down the lane, um, they, they want to let the company go down and they'll acquire it eventually when it's way, you know, pennies on a dollar, something like that. So predatory lending with monopoly, all these are proliferating because of capitalism. Do you think um, there is an answer for this in communism? or in socialism? As in like, can this be prevented? Yeah, I mean, I understand in socialism, there's not gonna be a monopoly or, you know, like, how can the- No, what's your question, of... can this be prevented? Yeah. I would argue in socialism, these companies might not exist in the first place. <laughs> As sure, in, like, um... if you look at Dunso, Dunso is a delivery app, mm -hmm. right? Like it, yeah. you can, mm -hmm. Uh, you can charter individuals to do specific tasks for you, like bring you medicine from point A to point B. Or a friend of mine mm -hmm. used Dunzo 
like he was flying out to the US and he was obsessed mm. with scarves or at least he wanted mm. to get scarves made so what he did mm. was he sent a dunzo deli- uh, driver to his to to buy uh, to buy uh, material for him Scarf. he already identified yeah. materials he bought, he sent this dunzo guy to go pick up those materials for him and not oh, bring wow. it to him but deliver it to the tailor who we phoned in and said oh. uh, asked the asked the tailor to make the scarves to his specifications and then had mm. another delivery guy bring them back in so dunzo was an incredibly useful thing there was mm. a use case for it there is a use case for it definitely brings in con- con- convenience but i i can only speculate at this point in time why dunzo hasn't been doing well like as an example maybe its business model its pricing isn't appropriate like if you're mm. overly focused on the wrong metrics like with blockbuster as an example blockbuster versus netflix blockbuster had started a netflix equivalent as well they were competing online but their problem was they were looking at uh, at least this is what i've read they they were focused on the wrong metric they were looking at revenue per square foot and obviously in a more delivery oriented netflix oriented model delivery per square foot doesn't make sense it's going to be negatively impacted because of that like because it was negatively impacted they decided to shutter that new division and blockbuster eventually became uh went went on the way of the dodo yeah basically uh, they didn't innovate right they went no they did innovate they were just focused on the wrong metric and thought they were failing so i think <laughs> dunzo may have been doing the same i i don't know like i haven't looked at dunzo but i would speculate yeah. that there is there are similar issues in a capitalistic market in a market where you're looking at optimal money allocation i would encourage companies like reliance to come in and step in and fix fix businesses that are good the business model the value proposition is good but the like there is something wrong within that entire jigsaw puzzle like say pricing is off maybe that's something that i need to come in and fix the value proposition is off maybe that's something i can need to come in and fix the marketing is off like a cousin of mine i was talking to him about buying a new car a while back and his advice was cars aren't bad like when a company like a maruti or a, a tata or mahindra or whoever manufactures a car it's likely going to be good it's going to have its merits mm-hmm. but if it's poorly marketed or if it's got the wrong image it's going to tank like the tata indica became like a taxi in india it's a good the car nano you remember the nano yeah people weren't willing to be seen as someone who could only afford the nano right like they were like oh that's for important even though people. they only had a two wheeler yeah it was like they didn't want to buy it was nano. like yeah i i'm not impoverished i can buy whatever i feel yeah. like it's and also the nano was not a 1 lakh car at the end of the day right even though it was marketed yeah. as one whatever one like meaning $2000 um right in perspective a brand new car for $2000 it was actually marketed as the $1000 no 1000 1000 something dollars 1200 1200ish yeah well, yeah under 2000 so that's that's one of the major things so thoughts on uh, universal basic income i think there is a use case in canada Uh, oh my god okay <laughs> there was there was this uh, example in canada what had happened was one village or one city what have you mm. was taken as an example like a sample experimental place where everybody was guaranteed 15000 canadian dollars and what they saw was that 
people started be- becoming pickier about the kind of jobs that they did they decided on like they would take things that they actually enjoyed they would take things that actually challenged them as opposed to i need i need some basic income and therefore i need to go about struggling they also saw that stress particularly like considering that stress is a big uh, factor as to why lifespans get shortened stress came down mm. by a massive amount i don't remember the exact figure but it was like 60% or something mm. So there so, is a benefit for universal income but I, again I think you need to have the right mindset. If your mindset is as an example like and and this is a hypothetical scenario right like I give you $15,000. Like there are individuals of the lower echelon within certain countries like ours as well where where it's a it's a problem like you give them a certain amount like 100 rupees 200 rupees 300 rupees they won't save it or they won't be like all right i'm going to use this for food there have been instances where they just go and spend it on alcohol at which point in time you need to ask yourself is there a certain value like i need to guarantee everybody 100 uh, 100 per day or something of that sort like a basic a value like 100 rupees won't cut it or is it like in certain scenarios in specific locations like maybe the first world as opposed to the developing world you can implement this and you can't implement it somewhere i don't know those factors just yet so from an argument in terms of universal uh income basic income there are its merits there are scenarios where it succeeds but i don't think it's going to succeed globally because there are very very strong detrimental uh repercussions of when it fails yeah so my opinion universal basic income is you know like i don't i don't you know like it you know i i'm totally against it because if you end up going uh that route you're going to end up taxing the entire population more than 50% so which is going to affect the entire economy itself so based on that that's that's what i think you know it's it's not really great but it is what it is man it's uh socialist like that right basic um <laughs> universal basic income I understand. so what are your closing thoughts closing thoughts are that there are strong merits to socialism i think uh but honestly socialism requires uh everybody to participate in it like hmm. together it, it can't be individual centric and we are living in a world that is quite individual centric and therefore uh we just need to keep that in mind like his, his, his socialism's good might not work <laughs> all right guys um i think we we uh we are at the end of our pod um if you like our content please like and subscribe um and click the bell icon uh for further uh, notifications notifications yes yeah and thank you Thank you. And uh, for next week's topic, we'll be bringing in gaming to you guys. Yeah. Psychology right. of gaming. Psychology, the ecosystem of gaming. All right. Yeah. See you on the next one. Thank you.